Do you have some places you like to visit that are like hidden gems? They're like off the beaten path, maybe nobody knows about, or they know about them, but they don't visit them very much. I have a few of those I want to share with you today. The first one is here right here in Des Moines. It's the Des Moines Botanical Gardens. You can see it from the interstate. But a lot of people see it, but they don't go inside. And I love to go in the beautiful botanical gardens. Another place is in West Bend, Iowa, way off the beaten path. It's called the Grotto of the Redemption. Uh, A Catholic priest uh, spent 42 years of his life building this incredible uh, structures commemorating the life of Jesus in nine different grottos with semi-precious stones, precious stones, shells, fossils, all sorts of stuff. A truly impressive site. And then a national one off the beaten path is in Cave City, Kentucky, and it is Mammoth Cave National Park. Been there many times, went there as a kid, have been there many times since then. Inside the cave are gigantic rooms. Folks, this cave is mammoth. It is beautiful and it is amazing what God does. 300 miles of caves and they estimate that only about 10% of the tunnels in the caves have actually been found and discovered. So these are places maybe you don't ordinarily go or you've never been to. I wanna encourage you to find those places in your own life where you can chart a new path and find and discover some hidden gems. And today we're gonna come to a hidden gem. It's an ax the book of Acts chapter 13, uh, where the apostle Paul and Barnabas are in the city of Antioch of Pisidia. And we're gonna learn how we can chart a new path spiritually. My question for you today is this, how does a person move, how do you move from darkness into light? How does a person move from being empty to being filled up with joy and hope and peace and love? How does a community find its way from darkness to light? How does a nation or a city find its way from being empty to being completely fulfilled? Well, we're gonna talk about that. And as we've looked at the book of Acts, we've seen primarily three different paths that cultures and communities and people have tried. And I wanna talk about those three different paths. We've been seeing this throughout the book of Acts. The first one I'm gonna call the cultural path. The cultural path is you embrace whatever the culture is offering. And so if the culture is pursuing this, you jump on that bandwagon and go that direction. This cultural pathway can be very liberal or very conservative. It can be very uh, moderate. It can be a lot of different things. I'm not talking particularly about politics. I'm just talking about a way of doing life. And oftentimes people just jump into whatever everybody else is doing. That's the path they pursue toward fulfillment. We have those paths in America. They had them back in Antioch of Pisidia. Back then, people, when they wanted to look for light and for hope, they looked primarily to the emperor. There was a huge cult of emperor worship, and they thought if they would devote themselves to the emperor and they would make sacrifices and offerings to to the emperor and also to various gods and goddesses and deities trying to appease them, this is the way that you would find peace. This is the way you would find light. That was the cultural path in those days. The second path is a religious path, and this is the way of kind of traditional religion. And in Antioch, they had that as well. The Jewish synagogue existed there, and they taught the law of Moses, and there was a lot that was good about that, but During those days, it had kind of gotten off track and it had become reduced to to more about following rituals, following uh, the rules. And today we have those same sort of 
religious paths where people say, if you want to find fulfillment, if you want to find a connection to God, if you want to find light and hope, then follow the rules, um, perform the rituals, clean up your act, and you know, eventually you'll find your way home. But there's a third path, and it's a hidden gem, and it's off the beaten path. And this third path is the gospel path. It's the path of the good news. And this is the one we come to today in the book of Acts. If you remember from last weekend, uh, the apostle Paul and Barnabas make their way. They have come from Antioch of Syria to the island of Cyprus, and now they make their way up to another Antioch near Pisidia. And that's where they are, and they've been sharing the good news. The apostle Paul told the story of how you can experience freedom. And if you missed that, go check it out. But just to summarize it, he's walking through the streets of Antioch, and you can go there today. Uh, you can still go. There's a nearby city in, uh, in Antioch of Pisidia called Yalavak, Turkey. It's a town now of about 20,000 people. But back in the day, Antioch of Pisidia was like a mini Rome. It was, it was incredible. It was one of the largest and most important cities in Asia Minor. And so Paul comes there with Barnabas and he shares the good news of Jesus. And just to bring it home, kind of in you know, soundbite fashion, in verse 28 of Acts chapter 13, he says, he's talking about the story of Jesus, and he says, though they, the leaders, found no grounds to the, for the death sentence, they asked Pilate to have Jesus killed. And when they had carried out all that had been written about him in the scriptures, Old Testament prophecies, they took him down from the tree, the cross, and put him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. The thing about the good news, it's not an instruction manual how to clean up your own act. It's not an instruction manual how to appease the God or get on the emperor's good side. The gospel is good news of an announcement that Jesus Christ has bought tremendous victory. He has actually defeated sin and death through his death and resurrection from the dead. He has paid the penalty for our sins, and now he's been raised from the dead. And he promises us that if we trust in him, there's a new world coming for us. We enter into a whole new existence, a new pathway, a new life called eternal life. And eventually, we experience that with God face to face in heaven. But it goes on in verse 38. He says, therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. This is a different path. This isn't earn your way. It is God offers you freely forgiveness of all your sins by trusting in Jesus. The gospel, the good news is that God has this amazing love for you. And he offers you freedom, a clean slate. And then in verse 39, everyone who believes is justified. That means is declared not guilty in the sight of God through Jesus from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. Instead of trying to obey all the laws and inevitably failing, you can trust in Jesus and he will declare you not guilty because he paid the penalty for your sins on the cross. Folks, when the folks in Antioch of Pisidia heard that, this was a brand new thing. It was a new path. And so we're going to chart that new path today and kind of come to the rest of the story now. And what I want to tell you is this. What we're going to talk about is, is an everyday thing. It's not, um, it's not a thing that you do once 
you know, 20 years ago or five years ago or even one year ago. Yes, you, ha you need to cross the line of faith, but every day we need to come back to the gospel. Every day we need to remind ourselves of the good news of Jesus. And we also need to be sharing that and that spreading that with other people. So let's talk about this. And I'm just going to have some, I'm going to walk through the passage, have some uh, nuggets, I think, from this passage that I, I hope will really help you chart a new path. Okay, let's pick it up at verse 42. On the good news path, trusting in Jesus, verse 42, as the people were leaving there, the synagogue that day, the Gentiles, these folks who've come out of pagan uh, temples, the people, uh, that's mostly pagan Gentiles, urged them to speak about these matters the following Sabbath. They said, this is the greatest guest speaker we have ever heard in our life. Will you please come back next week? And after the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews, many of them, responded, and devout converts, they were Gentiles who had been interested, God-fearing people. They followed Paul and Barnabas. And the word followed there indicates that they actually became disciples. It's not just like they were physically following them. No, they were saying, we're, we're followers of Jesus now. They followed Paul and Barnabas, their message. And Paul and Barnabas were speaking with them and urging them to continue in the grace of God. Here's the first principle I want to give to you, is that people are more ready than we realize. Here's a bunch of people came straight out of their uh, temples worshiping gods and goddesses and are embracing the good news of Jesus. Uh, my question for you today is, are you open? Are you ready to be filled up again with the good news of Jesus? Maybe for the first time, some of you. Or maybe it's just to refresh that and realize how good the good news is. And there's a, a bunch of people in our community and in your uh, neighborhood, in your workplace, who are way more ready than we realize. I, I had one uh, staff member this week was over at the farmhouse across the street where we have a little annex there. And a guy stopped by uh, to actually measure for some carpet. And they struck up a conversation, and this staff member uh, just befriended him, smiled, asked him some questions. They got into a conversation, found out he had way back when a church background. Uh, this staff member said, you've got a lot to offer. Why don't you come? And you're, you're an engaging uh, person. You're friendly. Why don't you come? I think you'd enjoy spending time with us. They texted back and forth. The guy said, thanks so much, and I'll have to check it out. Okay, random meeting in an obscure parking lot, and somehow uh, he, he says, yeah, I, I, I'm ready to check it out. People are more ready than you realize. Okay, let's keep going. Um, they, they followed Paul, it says, and Barnabas, who were speaking with them and urging them to continue in the grace of God. So here's the second principle. Resist the spiritual pull to revert by that mean, go back to the other paths, go back to what culture is telling you to do, or go back to what religious tradition, do this, do that, tells you to do, or to quit, to get tired and say, I've, I'm done with it. I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, just check out. Resist that urge. He tells them to continue in the grace of God. Stay close to Jesus. Remain in the path. Continue. Abide. Stay on the path. And it says, continue in the grace of God. It's so easy to go, to, to be lured into just following cultural solutions to emptiness and to light. And there are some good things that we need to be doing. But the ultimate thing is the good news of Jesus. And there also is a pull to go in traditions 
and rituals, thinking those, uh, those earn us favor with God. No, he says, continue in the grace of God, the love of God. Principle, uh, verse 14, uh, verse 44. The following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the word of the Lord. Wow. How did they find out about this? People talked. People went around telling their neighbors, you ever heard what happened in church last week? It was amazing. We had the most amazing guest speaker. So how do they hear people talked about it and they invited them to the synagogue? I, just, I want to make a very simple principle to you. Check it out here. Influence people by becoming an inviter. One of the simplest, easiest ways that you can have spiritual influence, that you can begin to turn people and help them to experience light and grace is just invite them. Invite them to worship with you. Invite them to uh, hear the message together. All right? I want to help you to do that. Today, I want you to take out right now, take out your cell phone if you have one. And if, you have, if you're on Facebook, please go to the Facebook app, okay? And you can just check into Valley Church. It's super easy. Check it out. Here's what you do. Open your Facebook app, okay? Create a new post, so you're like you're going to post. Uh, where it, once it opens, click more and then find this. Select the red icon that says check in. A lot of you know how to do this, but some of you, maybe you don't. Check in. In the search bar at the top, type Valley Church. Make sure you check the correct Valley Church, 4343 Fuller Road. There's lots of Valley Churches in this country. And then you will see the map pop into your post. After you do that, write something uh, that invites people. You say, I'm enjoying the caffeinated coffee and the caffeinated pastor's message. Whatever. Just share whatever you want. Invite them. And you've checked in and you've told people with almost no effort at all that you're here at, at Valley Church. So that's the way to do it. All right. Let's keep going. Influence people by becoming an inviter. Verse 45. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what Paul was saying, insulting him. Here's a principle. You'll make some enemies along the way. When you follow Jesus and when, even when you are, uh, share your, your own faith in Christ, even in a, in a very polite and kind way, it just goes with the territory. Some people are going to get angry. They're going to get angry at you. And sometimes it's not really making a whole lot of sense to you. Sometimes uh, they're just having a bad day. Whatever. Just understand that and roll with that. It's okay. Some people are going to reject you. They did the Apostle Paul. And they, they contradicted what he says. That's not true. They were shouting him down uh, there in the synagogue. So that's going to happen. Let's keep going. Verse 46. Paul and Barnabas boldly replied, uh, to the people there assembled. It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. He's talking to the people of Israel, to the Jewish folks there, because that was the plan of God, to always come first to the people of Israel because God loves Israel and he wants to bless all nations first to the Jewish folks and then to the rest of the world. So that's always the pattern Paul, uh, Paul does. He goes to the synagogue and then he goes to the streets. He says, since you reject the good news, and he says, and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we don't want to do what all these Gentiles are doing, believing in Jesus. We're not sure this is true. And many of the Jews believed, but a good chunk of them did not at that day. They, they, he says, we're turning to the Gentiles. So if you don't want that, okay, we're going to go now. So you've had your opportunity. Now we're going to turn to the other people in the community. Here's the principle. Let people say no for themselves. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of us assume that people aren't interested. 
And so we say no for them. We, we don't even invite them. We don't give them any opportunity to talk about or discuss spiritual things. We just assume they wouldn't be interested, so I'm not even going to go there. You're saying no for them. What I love here about Paul was he gave people an opportunity. Many of them believed, but some of them said, no, we don't want to do this. And they were, they were even hostile and antagonistic. But they said no themselves. And I want to just encourage you, don't say no for people. Let them have the opportunity to reject it or to say not now, but don't say no for them. You know, we miss a lot of opportunities because we assume that people are not interested. Years ago, I met a guy uh, here at Valley Church out in the atrium. It was after the gathering, and uh, I, I didn't recognize him, so I introduced myself. And um, his, his name is Nathan. I want to show you a picture of Nathan and his wife. Uh, and I saw him. I didn't recognize him. I said, you know, tell me about yourself. He says, well, actually, I'm visiting from another state. Uh, I teach uh, in a seminary in Florida. I said, really? Wow. He said, but actually, I'm from West Des Moines. I said, fascinating. Really? You are? And he said, yeah, I am. And he said, uh, I said, tell me your story. Well, why are you here today? Did you have a home church? And you know what he said? He said, you know what? Uh, I did not have a home church in, in West Des Moines. In fact, in my 21 years of living in West Des Moines, Iowa, and through my college days at Iowa State, not a single person ever invited me to church. I moved to Florida to help out someone. And three weeks after I was there, a woman invited me to church. I went, and within a very short period of time, I trusted in Jesus. This man is now a pastor in the Church of Scotland, which is his heritage. Um, and he is, has a PhD in, uh, in, uh, in biblical uh, missiology and a master's degree in Bible and theology. He's an incredible pastor and missionary. In 21 years in this central Iowa, no one ever invited him to church. And what I will say, if I said it before, no more Nathans, not on our watch. No more do we allow people never to even be invited I think this is an incredible story of my friend. And we've become good friends to this. I visited him in Scotland. He's doing an amazing work of God. Who are the Nathans out there that if they just received an invitation, might say yes. No more Nathans in my life and no more Nathans in your life. Okay? This is, this is, this is the path we need to invite people onto. They've heard the cultural path. They've heard the religious path. How about some good news? Let's give it to them, can we? All right, let's keep going. Verse 47. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Here's a principle. Never stop being a light in the world. You know, this is a, a quote from uh, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. And it's about God's plan for the people of Israel. He wanted them to be a nation that could be bless all the nations and to be a light to all the Gentiles, to all the nations of the earth. This verse gets quoted three times in the New Testament. The first time it gets applied to Jesus. Simeon at the temple when Jesus is a baby looks into his face and said, I've beheld salvation, a light for, uh, to the Gentiles, to the nations. So it's applied to Jesus. 
Here it's applied to the people of God. We're the nation of Israel and the church. We're called to be a light to the nations. And then eventually it's applied later in the book of Acts to the apostle Paul, an individual. So when this verse is talking about being a light, is it talking about um, Jesus? Is it talking about the people of God? Or is it talking about individual believers? And the answer, of course, is yes. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But then later he said, you are the light of the world. Here's the path. If you really remain and continue in the grace of God, there's an opportunity for you to be so filled with light that you shine to other people and you can make a difference. You yourself experience light. Instead of darkness, you experience the light of Jesus Christ in your life. You've discovered a new path of freedom. But you can also shine that light to other people. So never stop being the light Jesus called you to be. Keep going. Verse 48, they're all there assembled hearing this. When the Gentiles heard this, that they're the light is coming, has come in Jesus. They rejoiced and honored the word of the Lord and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. Several principles from this little verse. First is people that you don't expect to will believe in Jesus. The people you think will be interested sometimes are not. And the people most unlikely you think to believe will end up believing in Jesus. I've learned to expect the unexpected. I've learned that God works in mysterious ways. I have no idea who is going to respond. And sometimes he really surprises us. We've all heard those crazy conversion stories of people that were so far from God and somehow they ended up believing. I want to tell you a story about, I learned this week about uh, about Christianity actually in China. Um, uh, So back in 1884, uh, we're part of a movement called the Evangelical Free Church. The Free Church, all right? And we're not, we were originally not the state church uh, uh, back in Scandinavia, but it was the free church. It was unconnected to the state. It wasn't supported by the state. It was free. And so this free church movement came to America. And in 1884, a guy named Hans von Quelen was a Swedish immigrant to America. And he met in Chicago a Chinese man named Xu Yu Chi around 1884. Well, Hans took the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with an unlikely person, an immigrant from China. And believe it or not, the man came to faith in Jesus. Well, in 1887, the two of them uh, said, you know, we feel God is calling us to to go to China. And so Xiu Yu Qi became kind of the language and the interpreter and that he taught um, Hans von Quelen the language, a little bit anyway. And they were sent out by the church in Chicago, the free church in Chicago to China. Um, when they were sent out, on, at the time they were sent out in 1887, Xiu, the Chinese believer said, where we are going is a dark land. There are not many bright spots, but indeed God's gospel will bring light. Well, they made it their way. They began to share the good news of Jesus with what would appear to be unlikely folks to believe since they were so far removed from uh, Christianity and their own, uh, uh, their own religious beliefs and their own philosophies. But they came to believe in Jesus, actually in large numbers. Eventually, they established a church in Hong Kong. And today in Hong Kong, there are 60 evangelical free churches. How are they doing these days? 
well, this one's doing pretty well. Uh, this is the largest evangelical free church, uh, perhaps in the world, but certainly in Asia. It has 11,000 attenders. Uh, and they're sharing the good news and they're involved in their community and they're blessing their community in amazing ways. So sometimes the people you don't expect will believe. The gospel took hold in the most unlikely places and that could be your neighborhood, your workplace, uh, with uh, all the different places you live and move in this community. Let's keep going. Verse 48 says, when the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and honored the word of the Lord. Notice it says they honor the word of the Lord. Stay focused on the message. Stay on message, Jesus Christ. Um, it is the message of Jesus that we proclaim. It is not the message of Quentin's opinions about this or that issue. It's not, people don't care about my views on this issue going on. No, I want to, and you want to stay focused on the message about the Lord. It doesn't mean that you can never talk about anything else. But you stay on message, and when people are looking for direction, and when you're looking for hope, and when you're looking for freedom, don't look to the cultural path. Don't look to a religious, do-it-yourself religious path. Instead, look to the message of Jesus and share that message with Jesus. It says they rejoiced when they heard this message of Jesus. The good news is a joyful message. I mean, it's Jesus has been victorious over sin and death. He loves us and gave his life for us, and he freely accepts us. He declares us not guilty when we trust in him. Guys, that's good news. We need to rejoice in that ourselves. And then when we tell other people and they really understand it, they rejoice. Uh, it says that the Gentiles heard this, they rejoice, not because I convinced them to adopt my views on all sorts of cultural issues or this or that. That's not what's bringing them joy today. It isn't that, oh, finally, we have finally grasped and agreed with Quentin's opinions about this or that. And now my soul is filled with joy. Nobody's saying that. But when they hear about Jesus and they truly understand the good news and what it is, then they find joy. And so it's okay to have other opinions about things and you may be called into that sphere to some degree or another, and that's fantastic. But remember, in your own life, and when you're interacting with others, stay focused on Jesus. And then it says, and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. Now that is an interesting statement. Let's just look at that. And all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. Now a lot of us, if we were writing a kind of a report of what happened there, would have actually reversed that. We would have said, and all who believed were appointed to eternal life. But here's the principle I want to give to you today. You can relax because it's actually God who is in control. This passage, and I want you to go back to it, all who had been appointed to eternal life believed, tells us that God is absolutely sovereign. He's totally in control of, of everything that happens. And he has people that he is stirring in their hearts. You see, guys, all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. See, if I think that somehow it all depends on me, that somehow I have to persuade people. And if I say the wrong thing or if I give the wrong answer, then I'll mess it up forever and someone will be lost forever because I told them the wrong answer. This passage allows us to relax and realize God's working in their hearts. God's working before we ever even talk to them. In fact, he's been working for all, from all eternity. And this language is strong. It says he appointed them to eternal life and God's behind all that, and 
They believed. All who were appointed to eternal life believed. Now some of us scratch our heads and says, hang on a second, I, I don't get this. You mean I'm just a puppet? I mean, I'm just kind of a robot and if God pulled my name out of the hopper a zillion years ago, then he kind of coerces me to believe and eventually I believe. Not at all. The Bible affirms this, that God is absolutely sovereign and in control of salvation. He, he oversees all the, those things. And he does, as this passage just, just says, he appoints people and they, and they end up believing in Jesus Christ. He is totally sovereign. But the Bible also teaches that we are not coerced in doing so. That, yes, we make our own decisions and that we're responsible. If we refuse the gospel, that's on us. But we're also involved in this, that God not only ordains the end, which is for us to trust in him, but also the means. And he uses ordinary people like me and you to give the good news to other people. And so people are never coerced, uh, but we can relax because we know that God is sovereign. And you're like, okay, I'm so confused. H how does this work? Yes, God is absolutely sovereign and he appoints people to eternal life. Oh, really? But then also people are involved and they do trust in Christ. They, 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 they believe in Jesus. It's a gift of God, but they believe in Jesus themselves. Sometimes we think, well, if I don't understand that, then it has to be false. Just because I, I, I don't understand it, it can't be true. But there are a lot of things in life that I don't understand, but they're still true. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I took one of my kids um, to St. Louis to the Arch. And we got to the Arch, bought our tickets, and wandered around the gift shop and saw the movie and everything. It took a while, but eventually we got on the elevator. And we took the elevator up to the top of the Arch. And we got there. One of my kids ran out. And when we got to the observation uh, deck, uh, they cried out, look, look out and seeing this scene. They said, look, Dad, we're in an airplane. And I laughed and I said, well, actually, we're not in an airplane. We're not? No, we're inside that great big silver arch. In fact, I began to explain to this child, look, there's these tiny little windows, and you can perhaps see them, and at the top of that arch, and we're looking out of them. And that child looked at me with big eyes and could not believe, hey, how could that be? I could not figure that out. But you know what? My child believed me. Why? Not because they understood what I was saying, but because I'm their father. There's lots of things in the scriptures that sometimes we don't totally figure it out. But we believe it because God has revealed it to us. We believe it because God is our father. You know, I have a cell phone here. And if I touch the screen in a certain way and hit seven or 11 digits or whatever, I can talk to people in Japan. If you had given this to somebody a thousand years ago and said, this is all you have to do. And they could somehow be transported to the present. There's no way they could understand it, but it works. It believes this is the way it is. There's, there's, a, there's a distance, an intellectual distance between a child on the top of that arch and a father on that arch. If that's the distance, then what's the distance between me and a sovereign eternal God? It's immense. Okay, here we go. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Together we can have a huge impact. The whole region heard about it. Our mission as a church is mobilizing everyone's God-given potential to deeply love Christ and their neighbors. 
and specifically as a mission for God and neighbor, we're pursuing bold faith in God and building community bridges to love and influence half a million Des Moines neighbors. I mean, we, we're, not we're not saying that we think a half a million people are going to become part of Valley Church, but we want to be so uh, loving of God in our relationship and so loving our neighbors that the influence and the impact is felt by, you know, at least half our metro area or more. We would love that. One way to learn to do that is to attend uh, our Good For All conference in October. It's coming up. You can sign up for that. I want you to check out what's coming at the Good For All conference. The world needs love. It needs hope. It needs Jesus. And he has placed us in the world to shine his light and spread his love to those around us. Join us October 7th through the 9th for the Good For All Conference, where we will learn to better love our neighbors, develop strong relationships with others, and build goodwill in our communities. Be inspired by world-class speakers like Tim Tebow, Heisman winner, two-time national champion, and New York Times bestselling author. Katherine Wolf, survivor, speaker, and advocate. John Perkins, author, preacher, and champion for civil rights and community development plus many more diverse and dynamic speakers. And take advantage of an awesome bonus opportunity, Tailgate with Tebow, at the Valley Community Center on Thursday, October 7th. Bundle your conference ticket and tailgate ticket for the best value. Go to goodforall2021.com to learn more. We've recently added Catherine Wolf to our main stage lineup. And Catherine is an incredible communicator. She's an advocate. Um, she married her husband and Jay in 2004. They moved to Los Angeles for, so she could pursue a career in the entertainment industry. Uh, their son was born in 2007. And then six months later, Catherine's life was nearly ended with a catastrophic stroke. But miraculously, Catherine survived and continues her recovery to this day. Um, including having a miracle baby in uh, John in 2015. Catherine and Jay have shared their journey of steadfast hope and faith through their books, through an organization called Hope Heals and Suffer Strong, and they're speaking at events to millions of people, both online and in person. She is an incredible story. You will be deeply inspired and will help you to learn how to give hope to other people as well. Please, please, I urge you to get signed up uh, for the Good For All Conference at goodforall2021.com. But let's finish out this passage, verse 50. But the Jews incited the prominent God-fearing women and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district. But Paul and Barnabas, in obedience to what Jesus had taught them to do, shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium. Here's the principle. Some people are not going to receive it. They're going to reject you. They may even violently oppose you. In this place, they got kicked out of town. Don't get discouraged. Just move forward. You gave people an opportunity. And there comes a point when they become actually hostile and antagonistic. You still love them, but you may need to move on. Not, uh, not necessarily be, be unfriending them or anything, but just to say, okay, we're going to move on to new opportunities. That's what Paul and Barnabas did. And finally, 
And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I love how this passage ends. It began with people in darkness, people with emptiness, and it ends with people filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Yes, Paul and Barnabas got kicked out of town, but the people that, that are back in Antioch are filled with joy because they have Jesus now and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're continuing in the grace of God and the Holy Spirit is flooding their hearts. That's our hope. That's the path, not a religious one, not a cultural one. It's the good news path. God himself comes to indwell us and can refill and refresh us every single day if you choose that path. I close with this. Guys, there are three paths. There's the cultural path, the religious path, and then there's the gospel, the good news path. It's not the obvious one. It's off the beaten path. And it's so easy for us, even as believers, to kind of get off the path and lose our joy and lose our hope. But you can get back on that path. You know, um, a while back, Ruth and I had the privilege of visiting Hawaii. And we were looking for a restaurant and we'd seen all the touristy type places. But I said, here's a sign. And it just was this a restaurant over here, Waimea Valley. It was a small sign. It wasn't big. I said, okay, let's just take that path. So just turned down this road and, and went down this road. And we came to this most amazing, beautiful place. Uh, waterfalls, trees everywhere. It was like paradise. Really wasn't the one that everybody else was going on place was fairly empty. It wasn't the big cultural tourist site that everybody was collecting around. It certainly wasn't uh, kind of a religious do's and don'ts pathway. It was something that God had created and it was refreshing. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have that kind of refreshment, the waters of the good news of Jesus. And he wants to fill you afresh today. Can we close in prayer? Father in heaven, thank you for the gospel, the good news. Help us to be ones who are filled up with it, but also help us to be ones who share that good news, that refreshing good news with others. And everybody agreed and said, amen. Hey, God bless you all. You have a great week.